0: If you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we will be looking in verses 55 through 57 and I would say that this passage of Scripture uh, is really probably one of the the most powerful passages of Scripture especially for those of us who are followers of Christ Uh, because what it is dealing with, it is dealing with the subject of death Uh, which is a subject that, you know, for most of us we want to avoid talking about it. I think most of us would like avoid doing it, Uh, but it is like sort of a depressing thought. But when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and you look into the verses, you get to verses 55 through 57, 58, you find an incredible hope that is given to us there. And so today, our focus, we're going to be talking about, well, we're going to be talking about death. Now, I know that that is generally not a topic that people go, I am so excited about that. But my hope is that after we look in this passage of Scripture, that just simply looking at the subject of death, especially for believers, that hopefully it will not be as intimidating to you because of what we see in our Scripture that our Father, that our God the Father does for us concerning this subject. Now, I believe this. I believe every person in life needs hope. Uh, We need hope to be able to move uh, from, from one day to the next, but we need hope in knowing that there is something that happens, something that happens good after this life. And so that is really where the focus of our of our text is going to be taking us today, and we're going to see the Apostle Paul wrote this passage of Scripture, and he shares with us an unshakable hope that every believer in Jesus Christ has. And so just as a little backdrop, this is 1 Corinthians, so that means that whenever Paul wrote this letter, the Apostle Paul, he wrote it to the church that was in Corinth, now, Corinth is in, uh, it's a ruin now, but it's in modern-day Greece. Back during this day, it was a very well-known port city. So a lot of people traveled through Greece in their ships delivering goods, and so it was a very metropolitan kind of a city. Uh, it also had a big temple there. I had a temple there to, to the goddess Aphrodite. Uh, now, for all of you, like Greek mythology people, uh, do y'all know, who was, uh, who was Aphrodite? She was the goddess of what? Anybody know? Love. Man, y'all are smart people. That's right. So she was the goddess of love. Now, their view of love in Corinth was a little bit different uh, than the, the biblical love that is shared with us. It's a lot different. Uh, they were very much into promiscuity. Uh, they were a people. that This is sort of their, their motto was, um, was YOLO. Y'all have y'all heard of that before? I learned that from my daughter Janie. So YOLO means what? Yeah, you only live once. So their whole deal was as you go through life, you know, you're just living for self, enjoy all the pleasure that you can because you're going to live and then you're going to die and it's all over. So it's sort of the motto of eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. So it's this kind of an attitude in the town of Corinth that that Paul is dealing with. And so Paul shared with them 1 Corinthians 15, and he was was going totally against this whole idea of you only live once. Like, listen, you don't only live once. So I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that even as death is coming, the Bible says that we have a God who shares life. And that's where our focus is going to be today. But in doing that, what I want us to do as we go through just really these three verses is just simply take a look at a few things to notice about death. Now the very first thing I want us to look at that our our text will point out that we need to notice about death is this, the fear of death. And I think most people have a fear of death. And just to let you know, that I really believe this. I believe that is something that is normal, uh, to have a fear of death. And Paul deals with it. If you look in verse number 55, he says this. He, He acknowledges death. He says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I saw a poll that had been done by Chapman University, it's in California, and so they began to uh, send out surveys asking people, what is it in life that you fear the most? And and the top two things, one of them was death, but but number one was the fear of public speaking. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if you were a a Jerry Seinfeld fan, but he did a stand-up bit. And he spoke about this. I thought it was entertaining anyway. He said, according to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. He said, now think about that. Does that sound right? Death is is number two? He said, this means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. I just thought that was kind of entertaining. Uh, So whenever we talk about death, we talk about the fear of death. What is it that people fear about death? And I think there's just some, you know, just some basic normal things that we think about. Uh, one of the things that we fear about death is this. When you die, it's, it's over, right? I mean, it's just, it just ends. And then there's something that's frightening about thinking about something that all that we know is what we have right now and to think that when death comes, then it ends, and that, that brings fear to people. Uh, my guess is that most of us in here have experienced the death of somebody that we love and we care for. And whenever you go through that, there's a great grief that comes because there is that, that person that, that you loved and cared for, that they are now gone. And so there is a vacancy that you feel in your life when that person is gone. And so that is a fear that we have. We don't want to experience that. And I think another fear that we have concerning death is this. What happens next? You know, what if there really is a heaven, and what if there really is a hell, and what if I'm not going to heaven, and, and that brings fear into people just simply thinking about that. I, I saw an article in Psychology Today that said that, uh, that religion is basically a hoax, uh, it just simply gives people a false sense of security about having eternal life. And the guy who wrote the article, his name was Paul Thaggard, and Paul Thaggard said, we really don't have any, anything to fear when it comes to death. He said, death is simply ceasing to exist. He said, therefore, you should not fear dying. Now, the Bible is very honest about, about life. It speaks of life, but it also speaks of death. And Paul Thaggard would agree with what James 414 says. It says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Yeah, you know, that's that's life. As you live, it's it's really interesting. As, as you get older and older, you're like, man, does it just seem like life is is kind of flying by? Do any of y'all feel that way? You're like, man, life is just moving. And you know, it seems like you know. Yesterday, I was I was you know twenty years old. I was never sore. And then two weeks later, I can't see anymore, and my knees are killing me. It's like what is what is up with that? Now I have a theory on this. If you, y'all know those little hourglasses that you see, you know, whenever you turn it over and it begins, the sand begins to go down. But doesn't it seem like as as there's less sand at the top? Doesn't it seem like it's just really just you know just cranking down, cranking out of there? It's not going any faster. You know what it is? You just don't have as much time left anymore. So let that that's a nice little thought for you just to hang on to for a little bit. Okay, so that's... But life is... Life just sort of... It just sort of flies by. Paul Thaggard would agree with that, that you live and then you die. But the Bible tells us something comes after death. In Hebrews 9.27, it says, It is appointed unto man once to die. And then the Bible says, And then to face judgment. We're going to face, judge, now, who's going to be the one judging us? Well, Acts 17.31 says, For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And that's Jesus. We die, then we're standing before God. Jesus is going to judge. And when he judges, if you're going to try to make it into heaven all on your own, then, then God is going to hold you to a standard that you have to keep to make it there. And that standard is perfection. And I look at that and think, well, man, we're all in trouble then. You know, and and I, one of my first thoughts is, well, that doesn't seem fair. You know, I've done, more, I mean, I've done more good things than bad things. I should get a pass because I've done more good things than bad things. There was a soap company that uh, liked to advertise that their soap was 99.4% pure. And so they ha- hired an advertising company to talk about the benefits of being 99% pure. And so they did a study and they're like, you know, what does it look like if something is 99. a uh, 99.4% pure? And here's what they here's what they discovered. They said, okay, if if things were 99% pure, it means that your drinking water would be unsafe 1 hour a month. 99% good means only 2 planes would crash land each day at Chicago's O'Hare Airport. 500 surgeries at 99% pure would be botched each week. 20,000 prescriptions would be improperly filled each year. Now, I kind of went through that list, and I thought, I don't think 99% is good enough. You know, if I'm getting on a plane at O'Hare Airport, I'm thinking, I think I'd prefer it to be 100%. Hey, only two planes go down a day. I don't want to be on those planes. Now, when it comes to God, let me tell you something. 99% good is not good enough. Now, right now in life, you are your life is 99% you're living, but there's coming that day when you're not. 99% life, and then you're just not living. And when that comes, guys, if we're just relying on ourselves, we're in trouble. Well, I mean, we're told in Romans 5.12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death has spread to all men because all have sinned. I think the natural thing and something to acknowledge is that death, that there is fear with death. And I look at that and I think, and rightly so. So there is fear that comes with death. But another thing I want you to notice about death is this, that there is power. There's power with death. Uh, Look in verse number 15, or 56. It says, now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Can you all see that it says, it says, the sting of death, it is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Did you know whenever, whenever God created people, when he created Adam and Eve, did you know his intent was for Adam and Eve and for everybody following, it was to live forever? That was God's intent, his plan. He never desired man to die, but something ended up coming into the world that messed everything up. Now, now I believe because that was God's intent for people that it is a part of our hardwiring to desire to live forever. We want to do whatever we can to hang on to life. So whenever you go go to the Y and you see people working out and hurting and sweating, why are they doing that? Because they want to live. They want to live forever. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. We desire that, but when sin entered into our world, it just absolutely destroyed God's order of things. Listen, you go back to the book of Genesis. It tells us this. Genesis three seventeen through 19 says, God said to Adam, because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. It says the ground's cursed because of you, and you will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life, and it'll produce thorns and thistles for you and you'll eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. In other words, nothing's going to be easy until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. That's what sin does; it makes life hard, but it also separates us from God, it messes up our relationship with Him. Isaiah fifty nine two says your iniquities have built barriers between you and your god and your sins have made him hide his face from you so that he does not listen now the power of death is is not just you know, dying the power of death is being separated from god you know one of the things that i hear a lot when i'll talk to people that they'll tell me this often they'll say you know what? I want to hear from God. I want God uh, to lead me. I want to do what God wants me to do. But I don't I don't hear from him. I don't have any any interaction with him. I, I just don't feel like he even knows I exist. And I believe the number one reason for that, now it's not true for for all people. I think there's other things that could be going on. But I think one of the main reasons why is because we are harboring sin in our lives we're not willing to let it go and then we expect God to have a relationship with us and we're saying but God I'm not going to be faithful to you but I want you to do stuff for me and so it's what, what it is is that sin is like, it's like a mistress in our life and let me try to, I, I try to personalize it like this this summer um, Emily and I, my wife and I will have been married for 27 years and I've told her before she was my English teacher in high school kidding uh, so 27 years this coming, this coming summer. Now, what if after 27 years that uh, you know, I told Emily, I said, hey, listen, um, I think I'm ready to start dating again. Now, how do you think that's going to go? Now, don't say, well, it'll be a great, great break for her. I mean, there's some smart Alex in the first service. Uh, put, put, ladies, think about it like this. Let's say your husband is sitting down, and he puts a movie in. Hey, I said, why don't you come over? I want you cuddle with me. And we've got two hours before my date. Now, are you going to enjoy that? I mean, more than likely, there is, I'm going to just go on a limb here. There's going to be a price to pay, right? I mean, there's there's probably going to be an ultimatum. Okay, now I want you to understand, I I, I tell you that example because I believe this. I believe God's the same way. For for a lot of us, our mistress is some sin that we are hanging on to that we're not willing to let go of. And if we're not willing to let go of it, then then God's going to say, okay, you you can have it. And, and you're going to pay the consequences of that sin. Now, now, what God has done is he has given us boundaries with which, in which we are to live. Live within this boundary. Now, the boundaries that he's given us, is it is the law. You know, the, the law comes from the, the Ten Commandments. Now, that's the great thing about the law. It gives us boundaries. The bad thing about the Ten Commandments and the laws, we can't keep it perfectly. That's what, that's what God demands. And because we can't keep it perfectly, then what happens is we will be separated from Christ. You know, I, I look at it like this. Um, you know, if, if you are a baseball fan, you can watch a game, and, you, and your team can be, let's say, your team is down by uh, one or two runs, bases loaded, favorite batter is up to bat, it's so a full count, and the next pitch is coming. Now, we know that in, in, the, in baseball, there is what is called a strike zone. That is the law of the game. If the ball comes through that strike zone and the batter doesn't hit it, then, then he's, he's going to be out. Now, it doesn't matter if the batter is, you might say, the batter, he's such a nice guy. He's got a great family. He's been raised right. He's a sweet kid. His team's a great team. Let I me mean, tell you, that's not the purpose of the strike zone. Strike zone does not have grace. It's just the law. It comes through, and if you don't hit it, you're out. Okay, that is that is the law of God. You don't hit it, and none of us do because none of us are perfect. Then that means that you are out. Okay, now the good news is the sermon's not stopping here. And It almost is, but not quite. So here's, here's what we look at when I, I see death. A few things to notice. One, there's the fear of death. There is power with death. But then here's the great news. There is... The defeat of death this is really good news. Now, now look with me in verse number 57. Paul wrote this. He said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's what we know about death. Death frightens us. Death carries with it power. And the thing that should really get all of our attention about death is death affects Everybody. You know, statistics show that one out of one persons dies. Okay, now if you're not a mathematician, the odds aren't good, okay? So, that, that, so this death is a subject that should cause all of us to think. So the, Paul's talking about death here. And then you get to verse 57 and you look at the very first sentence there. What, what does he say? It says, but thanks be to God. Why is he giving thanks to God about death? Well, it's because of what's, what comes next. Because we have been given victory. Okay, given victory over what? You don't want to take a stab at it? What have you been given victory over? Death. Now, you might say, well, that's gr- I don't want to die, so that's great. Okay, now, that's not saying that you, none of us are going to experience death. It's saying we have victory over the power of death. Now, now, what is the power of death? It is separation from God. The victory that we have over death because of Jesus is that Jesus will keep that death from separating us from him so that we can live forever. Romans 5.17 says, Since by the one man's trespass, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man. So death was spread throughout him to all of us but then he says, but how much more will those who receive, who receive Jesus and the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Christ is able to give us victory over the penalty of death because Jesus went to the cross, paid for our sin, and then he conquered death because three days later, what did he do? He got up from the grave. We're told in Colossians two, twelve and 15, having been buried with him in baptism, speaking of us, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised Jesus from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. So what did he do? It says he erased the certificate of death with its obligations that was against us and opposed us, and he's taken it out of the way by nailing it, the debt of death, to the cross. And he disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them by him. Y'all, that's a lot of words there, but it's really good news. Jesus got up from the grave. He conquered death, and if you trust him, that applies to you. That's why we're told in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I love this story. There's a pastor who said he had a lady in, her, in his church, her name was Catherine, and she gave, she gave her testimony. And she said whenever she was a little girl that her sister died. So it was devastating to the family. And so she said, it just, it just changed the dynamic of our family. She said, every year on my sister's birthday, dad would, would get a bunch of flowers. He'd go to her graveside. He'd put the flowers down at her graveside, and she said he would just sit there all afternoon and weep. She said, year after year after year. So one day they were sitting there having lunch, and his, her mom told her husband, she, they were talking about their sister who had died, and she said, you know what? She said, if we're ever going to see her again, we ought to become Christians. And she said, we, we started going to church right after that. And she said, it didn't take long. She said, my mom and dad became followers of Jesus. She said, I became a follower of Jesus. She said, but every year on my sister's birthday, dad would still go to that cemetery, and he'd bring us flowers. She said, he would sit there in the afternoon. She said, but he never cried again. How come? Because there is victory in Jesus. Because he has given us victory over death. Now, that's a great hope that we have. Now, I, I, I'm assuming you're probably like me. I, I am always looking for hope. You know, if I if I go fishing, I am hoping for a bite. You know, when I go to work, I'm hoping for insight and inspiration. If I am driving, I am hoping there is no traffic. And as I get older, because I'm becoming more aware of it, I am hoping that there is life after death. And I'm guessing you're the same way. Now here's the good news. Jesus has knocked down the barriers that death brings with it so that you can have life. So here's the question. you have life? Who is it that you're trusting in to give you hope. It better be in somebody that's worth having hope in. Uh, I'll, I'll close with this. I, I love, um, I don't like horror movies. They, they, I don't, I don't want to be scared. I don't like that. But I, I've always loved Alfred Hitchcock stuff. And he used to have, uh, yeah, I love his movies, North by Northwest, he's to Great Vertigo, all those movies, I think are great movies. But there, he used to have a show on, they do these little shows, and um, wh- I, I, one of the shows, and you probably, a lot of you probably remember it, in the first service one, guy was like, man, I remember that show. And, it was, uh, and so this is, it's not a true story, so I'll just share it with you. My wife was like, I can't believe you're telling this story, but I'm going to tell you because she's not here. Um, so uh, there was a, a lady, she'd gone to prison for murder, and she's like, I'm, not, I'm getting out. There's no way. I'm staying here. I'm going to escape. And so she found there's a, at the prison, there was a gravedigger. So remember, this is Alfred Hitchcock, so He's weird. And there's a gravedigger, and, and he needed a cataract surgery, but he didn't have the money for it. And so she told him, she said, if you help me escape, I'll give you the money for that surgery. So they made a deal. And, and so she said, here's the plan. So when somebody dies, they, they ring a bell when somebody dies. And she said, I will sneak down to the mortuary. I will get in the casket. And then you, I'll shut the lid. You all bury me. Then you come back in an hour, dig me up, and I will make sure you get the money for your surgery. So I know this is outlandish, but it's. I watch this show, man. And it's freaky. So she, they agree. They make a deal. So she's in her room. She hears the bell ring. And she sneaks down into the mortuary. It's dark. Caskets open. She crawls in. Any of y'all seen this? Yeah. Okay. Y'all know where we're going here. She crawls in there. She shuts the lid, and then she feels the casket lifted and being carried off. She hears the dirt being uh, thrown onto the casket, and now she's just waiting. An hour passes, and he hadn't come yet. Two hours pass, and she's getting a little concerned. When three hours pass, she's about going out of her mind, and she has a match. And she strikes the match and looks over, and the grave digger's dead in the box with her. Yeah, that's frightening. Okay? So, so here's the thing. She put her, this is not probably the best way to end a service, but she, she put her trust in a guy who had no more power over the grave than she did. Y'all, and as weird as that story is, there are a ton of people who do the exact same thing. We put our hope and our trust that we're going to have more life if we follow after getting more stuff, if we follow after follow after you know being healthier, all those different things. Now, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with those things. Let me tell you something. They, they don't have power over death. And so that, that's my question for you. Who is it? that you are investing yourself in to give you victory over death because there's only one who can do it. And it is Jesus. Now, do you have confidence? Do you have the hope that when you die that you're going to have victory? Now, here's how I'd like for us to close. I just, if we, Let's just all bow our heads and close our eyes. And this is between you and, and, and the Lord. And you might say, you know what? I don't have that confidence, but man, I want it. You can have it today. What I'd encourage you to do is just simply, just silently, where you are, you can just talk to the Lord and just simply pray this to him or something like it. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I believe you are the perfect son of God who came and gave his life for me and rose from the grave that I might be able to have life. Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I surrender my life to your leadership and I ask you to save me. Now, if you prayed that, I I want to encourage you to do something. Take your bulletin out and we have a contact form in there. Fill that out. Fill out that contact form. Check that line, I commit my life to Christ today. Then you can tear out that that, that contact form and as you leave today, there's two boxes at the back. As you leave, you just slip that piece of paper in that box and that'll enable us to get you some information about about a new walk with Jesus. But I want you to leave here today knowing this. That we serve a God who is unshakable. He will not be moved. The Bible tells us about Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're looking stability in your life if you're looking for hope in your life he is where you'll find it give him your life today heavenly father we are grateful for your word we are thankful that you give us an unshakable hope in a world that is constantly shaking god thank you and may we rest name and in the power of Jesus. And I pray these things in Christ's name.